0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now
2: at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer
0: with Dan Wetzel. What people work on December 31st? Who? <laughs> Not the conference commissioners. They don't. <laughs> no. Pete
1: Thamel. Credit Price Young. He had. One of just the most dynamic games, individual games, I've ever seen a quarterback have.
2: With SI's Pat Forty, the committee, despite itself, did a fine <laughs> job. Despite its five-week run of slapstick ineptitude television,
0: here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Ah, right, welcome to the pod. Field is set. Alabama, number one. First, number four, Cincinnati. Laying across from the Arlington Walmart. 3 o'clock Eastern time. New Year's Eve. Followed by number 2 Michigan versus number 3 Georgia. That'll be down in Miami Gardens about 8. Yes, we're still doing this New Year's Eve thing. (laughs) They haven't given up on it, man.
2: They're going to take back. They're
0: going to remake New Year's Eve. Remember? The paradigm of New Year's Eve will change.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The all-time most outrageously ridiculous <laughs> ideas ever <laughs> we will you'll get stop people. drinking
1: yeah That's you'll right. stop americans drinking and partying to watch will, eight hours of football we will get sure.
0: americans to stop partying and start <laughs> watching college football i mean how do you go against alcohol
2: <laughs> it's kind of undefeated <laughs> it's a one scene it is undefeated Especially, Alcohol. I mean, on, on New Year's Eve, it's absolutely yeah. undefeated. <laughs> Alcohol ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> this is Bama.
0: Yeah, I mean, really. Thank you, Jim Delaney. Thank you, old Big Ten commissioner. Most powerful man in college sports. Had to protect the sanctity of the Rose Bowl and its little flower parade every year. Made sure we didn't get at we didn't want to interfere with the we don't want to play football on the day everyone wants us to play football. Nope, nope, nope. Gotta protect the Rose Bowl. Then I'll quickly take a job when I retire as a consultant for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> a sketchy politician. Thank you, Jim Delaney. Appreciate the corruption. You're screwing up our schedule. That's all right. It's a different issue. I'm just throwing rat poison out there like Coach Saban wants us to. And I'm not even doing it in a southern accent. So much is yummy rat poison,
2: yummy rat poison. I mean, yes, a lot has transpired a lot since our last podcast. This is the setup. Seemed pretty
0: simple. As we've said all along, why do they do these rankings so everyone hates them when at the end of the day, there's no controversy or very little? The big debate was whether you move Bama to number one. Or Michigan to number one. I kind of liked Michigan's resume, but man, this is not a much of a distinction between these two. Certainly when you hang 41 on this vaunted Georgia defense, as you guys witnessed, uh, there's a, a strong case for Alabama to be number one. So it wasn't a big deal. Georgia only goes to three. Cincinnati stays at four. And after that, there was really no con- I mean, number five is Notre Dame. They lost by 13 at home to number four. So uh, no controversies, really. Uh, there's a lot of conspiracies that they didn't want to set up a SEC rematch in the semis or the ESPN's trying to make sure they get an SEC title game or all that. Uh, I love a good conspiracy. I'm not really buying that. Um, I think this is pretty reasonable. Uh, Pat, your thoughts. Do we have conspiracies or did the playoff committee do a fine job
2: here in the end? The committee, despite itself, did a fine <laughs> job, despite its... <laughs> Five-week run of slapstick ineptitude television Tuesday nights on Sunday at noon or 1220 or whenever they finally stopped talking on ESPN and got around to the rankings. Got it right, I think. Yes, I agree with you that you could you could have a debate between Alabama and Michigan for one-two. You could have a debate between Georgia and Cincinnati for 3-4. Three, 3-4 four. three, debate might be stronger than the one-two. If you go through game by game, I think Alabama's schedule, they've got better wins, so I would give them the nod at number one, starting with the trump card of housing the undisputed number one team. Uh, Georgia-Cincinnati, it's a little closer because Cincinnati has a better top win, and they're undefeated. But after that, the schedule tilts very heavily in favor of Georgia, which played no close games. They destroyed everyone between Clemson and Alabama. Whereas Cincinnati was life and death to beat Tulsa was close against Navy, you know, had some scrapes in there. Uh, but on the whole, hey, I'm excited. I think this is going to be great. I'm looking forward to uh, both games and the build up for both of them. The freshness is good. Uh, there is no conspiracy. If, you, if people are like, oh, they're trying to set it up for a SEC final. Well, you know what? There's one way to change that. Beat them. If you you know if you're worried about that, then Michigan beat Georgia, Cincinnati beat Alabama. Or just one of them beat them, and and then there, there's no conspiracy there. I don't th- I don't believe there is one to begin with. I'm a little surprised that Georgia. The early line I saw was like eight and a half favorite over Michigan. I, I that that stood out to me. Surprising The since uh, Alabama line is predictably large over Cincinnati. I believe like thirteen. You know I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to both games, and, I, and I'm looking forward to writing about
1: the whole shebang and us blathering about it. I'm also pro-blather, just in general. I'm also just pro-no-complaining, right? We complain a lot on this podcast. We lean into the negative. This was clean and easy, and nobody screwed anything up. So good for, good for them. They, they, they made their three foot putt. Yeah. Took their four hour, uh, four hour celebration of it. I, uh, I, I like this field. Like there's, there's a Cinderella in college football. That's like, cool. That's fun. That's different. I really like the Georgia Michigan matchup. That is like football from the seventies and smash mouth old themes. Yeah. You know, two somewhat limited quarterbacks, two pretty dynamic run games, couple awesome front sevens that are going to counter each other's uh you know they're going to really make the ball move like that the over under on that'll be interesting i'm sure Sully knows what it is but i i wouldn't see a lot of points being scored in uh, in that game, even though Michigan is just all of a sudden scored a lot of points too, so I guess I shouldn't uh, shouldn't limit them. But they ragged all Iowa pretty good, and they certainly did the same thing to Ohio State's defense, marching up and down and up and down the field on uh, on that. So it'd be interesting to see how Georgia responds. It had been. Sort of this season of unbriled optimism and a feeling, at least walking into that Georgia Dome yesterday, a coronation was coming. You know, they had way more fans there, way more tailgates there. I'm sure it's in Atlanta, but they were there for that moment in time that, uh, you know, maybe pivot point to where the SEC points towards Athens instead of Tuscaloosa. And boy, did that not happen. What would you say, Pat? Was it 2-1 Georgia fans in the dome?
2: Yeah, I would say that's about right. 65-35 yeah. or so or 70, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: somewhere somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, Alabama, it wasn't like Alabama punched them in the face right away. They felt each other out and punted to win and all that stuff. And, and, and Georgia jumped out to a lead. And then, I mean, credit Bryce Young. He had one of just the most dynamic games, individual games I've ever seen a quarterback have on a big stage. I mean, he was awesome. Jameson Williams was awesome. And John Mechie, it's a shame that uh, he's going to be out for the playoff because he's obviously, you know, a a dynamic player. And I do feel like with Alabama at receiver after those two, there's a pretty distinct drop off from, you know, superstars to just very good, you know, just very good players. But not like elite, elite difference makers. The way Jameson Williams ran away from Georgia on that crossing pattern, I think it was a 67 yard touchdown pass early. I mean, that like made me stand up in my seat just watching him take off. That was like he had like cartoon jetpacks on his uh, on his back. So anyway, but on the field, I love the field. I love having an underdog in, in in Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati probably, and I know these are funny things to say, matches up with Alabama a little bit better than Georgia. Cincinnati's weakness is its offensive line, especially its exterior um, tackles. And obviously Will Anderson's going to be a factor, and they're going to have to spend a lot of time chipping him and uh, doubling him and doing all those things. But I think just the blunt force collectively of Georgia's front 7 which we're not going to just ignore what they did the first 12 weeks because they got ragdolled on Saturday i think that would have been a lot for for cincinnati to overcome uh to overcome on offense and that game has two best quarterbacks I mean, those are two best quarterbacks in the field, and it's not really even close. Obviously, uh, obviously, Bryce Young will be the favorite to be the top pick in the twenty-three draft, and uh, I still think Desmond Ritter could find himself in the first round in this in this upcoming one. All he's done is win. He's mature. He's football smart. He's not the most accurate quarterback, which would be the knock. But he's—I mean—he's a really—he's a very good player. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about good, the field. I'm field. excited about where we are. Yeah, good, good
0: field. I agree. Good four. A lot of drama. Let's go through each one.
1: Okay. And,
0: and get to it uh there's certainly alabama i think the question is are we getting the alabama that played georgia We're getting the alabama played auburn scored three points in 59 minutes and needed brian harson to decide we you know play decide he wanted as many overtimes as possible with a one-legged quarterback <laughs> <laughs> you know look alabama would have made this field regardless if they play this way but like what what team are we getting is the question because in the first ten, first couple minutes it's 10 zip georgia and uh, Notre Dame starts thinking they're getting in. Like this is starting to look like Alabama's going to get beat. I was pretty excited. I was going to write a column, you know, about Notre Dame. I, I we only have four. I got I'm fine with all four, but Notre Dame in would have been fun, right? This is going to be the you know the coach quit story. The story yes. is
2: excellent. Yeah.
0: Win one for the quitter. Would have been <laughs> phenomenal. I was you already ready. had that
2: typed in, didn't you? Yeah, no, I did. I, was-
0: <laughs> I did. Didn't happen, but. Which Bama are we going to get? And is that a – see, this is the thing. I got flaws with all four teams. I got mostly positives about all four teams because they're the four best. But this isn't like last year's Alabama where you're like, come on now, right? Like, I mean, right. they, they yep. what? who's beating them, right? Maybe Ohio State eh, – not really. Um, everyone's got a thing. So what – you guys were there the last two weeks
2: you watched Alabama. Which one's showing up? <sighs> Maybe it's recency bias, but I I mean, I was so blown away with what they did to Georgia's defense. Like, having watched a ton of Georgia this year, I just didn't think that could happen to their defense. Now, there were two very important plays where Georgia did it to themselves. And one of them was that 67 yard pass to Jamison Williams, where they busted the coverage badly and left him wide open. And then he put on the Jets to get to the end zone. Uh, That was a third down. There was a third and 10 where they left Mechie with nobody within 20 yards of him on the sideline. Either of those plays, or both of them, you cover you cover the way you've covered all year. You're off the field, and you're. it was 10-0 the first time. You get off the field, then get the ball back, you score again. That game could go differently. But they made the big plays when they had the chances, and then once they did, once they started going, I mean, Bryce Young caught fire. It was unbelievable. Dazzling what he did. I mean, some of the plays he made, the... The scramble and and lateral pitch out that he made, I think it was to Brian Robinson, another play where somebody's like grabbing on his leg and he throws the ball. I mean, boy, was he good. And the one thing that also, you know, Pete, where, where we sit in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we're kind of in the corner near the end zone. So you get a back view. George's offensive line, especially early in the game, was opening such huge holes but they were getting 6 8 maybe 10 yards because Alabama tackles and closes so well in the second in that second level. Their linebackers are phenomenal tacklers and they run so well. So I I mean I just watched that like those guys are probably used to going 40 yards against Kentucky and Florida and whoever. Against Alabama, uh-uh. So I my my maybe recency bias is I think that's the Alabama we're seeing
1: from here on out. Yeah, so Pat and I uh, were complete prisoners of the moment of watching the slog at the Iron Bowl of Alabama's offense. I mean, Alabama's offensive line was terrible in that Auburn game. I mean, they just, they, it was jarring to see Alabama on a third and short or a second and short try to run the ball using brute strength and just completely getting pushed back. And it was just, very, very strange. Hey, and give Derek Mason credit. That might have been one of the best coordinated games of, of the year to, to really just cut the legs out from uh, from Alabama like that. And they didn't have those types of busts that really defined uh, that defined George's uh, George's day. So, I mean, there's no other more natural reaction in the overaction Monday podcast than to just Predict yummy rat poison doom for Alabama one week, and then to come back the next week and say Unbeatable. it's going to be an unimpeded march <laughs> to the next Nick Saban national championship, right? Like if that's uh. Uh, that's the only uh, it's the only way to uh, the the only way to predict it. The Cincinnati matchup. Cincinnati has a very good defensive line, but it's certainly not an SEC level unit. They they do have, and it's interesting, very heavy linebackers. Like their linebackers are almost like. Not the paradigm that we use anymore, um, meaning in football, like they're not going to probably get a ton of NFL interest, even though they've been really productive. And that's because like those those players now have to be more diverse and guard tight ends and move in space a little better, et cetera. So I thought that would h- help them against Michigan because they would have been re- able to really like, you know, get up there and stop the, and stop the run. I don't know if Cincinnati's we're talking about Alabama, aren't we? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm blowing right. I'm, I'm blowing the assignment here. Okay, so we'll
0: we'll get to Cincinnati.
1: I, yeah, no, sorry about that. So I just Which like, Alabama show? Yeah, I'm messing everything up. Stick with the plan, um, man. I, mean, it's a I pretty know. <laughs> I know. I'm a,
0: I'm a <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going to get to this part anyway. It doesn't matter.
1: I, mean. I, freelanc- <laughs> I, I freelance too much. Like all uh, like like high maintenance. You know, like on. getting
0: into like who's playing in the New Mexico Bowl, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. so I'd love to, though. <laughs> you're doing fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to Sully, UTEP's playing. It. That's right. I trust Sully on those matters. That's for uh, that's for sure. He's a reliable uh, a reliable source. I will say this: uh, An NFL scout texted me this this morning. uh, The single most fun matchup for Alabama, and especially if Mechie's out, this will even get highlighted even more. will be to see Jamison Williams and his Jets go up against Sauce, big, long, lanky Sauce. That's going to be really fun. This is obviously a lot of NFL
0: scouts watching that. Yes, sir.
1: Some money to be made. Time. Those are two top ten picks. Those guys will be you know, going at each other on Sundays years from now and in playoff games and they'll, you know, there'll be people writing stories about the time they played each other in the playoffs. They're elite high-end players who've had who've had awesome, uh, awesome seasons. And I'll, and I'll leave my Alabama with this Alabama thought. I give Jameson Williams a lot of credit. It wasn't that he wasn't going to play at Ohio State or they didn't use him at Ohio State, but because of the glut of talent there, he wasn't going to be featured. So what a great use of the portal where he went somewhere where he could go Chase a national title, learn a different system, and be featured like he needed to be featured. Yeah. So that that's just been uh everybody, everybody won there. You know, and, and Ohio State certainly could have used them, but they didn't run him off. They didn't, they weren't gonna he wasn't like overlooked. Like he wasn't sitting there and, you know, Ryan, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline were like, oh, well, that guy's not any good. No, he he was good. He played, but there was there was there was there there's there a constellation of stars there where he was clearly one of the two elite stars at Alabama. All right, Michigan,
0: number two. Heck of a couple weeks here. Absolute domination of Iowa. Not particularly a surprise, but uh, the offense has warmed down too. Uh, Hassan Haskins now has 20 TDs this season. We talked last week about how much we love the way this guy runs. Uh, Most in Michigan history, most rushing touchdowns in the history of Michigan. That's a lot of good running backs, man. First Big Ten title in 17 years. First playoff appearance ever. The Jim Harbaugh redemption tour, you know, it's been uh, amazing. I watched him this morning on ESPN and he started actually sounding like a human being again. (laughs) It's like actual sentences he was putting out there. I think he like short circuited for a while. It was just like even gazing off into space, not paying attention to the question even more. He's he's bad after games, although I give him credit. All he wants to do is let the players talk, which I respect. Yeah, and, and the right. sideline person's like, how does it, I, we got to talk about this. And he'd be like, my guys, my guys, right? So he's trying, but Captain Comeback, is had a comeback, man? Playing in front of, uh, at the Colts Stadium where his number's retired, never played in that Lucas Oil, but uh, title game would be back there. I. This the question with Michigan uh, that I would have is, can they run the ball against Georgia? I actually think Michigan's best matchup or better matchup would have been against Alabama. Nothing against Alabama. Because uh, there would have been many problems. But can they run against that Georgia defense? Because seemingly they have to. That's my question I have for that. I'll start with you, Pete.
1: I mean, I, I think this will be their biggest challenge running the ball. One, one of the things Michigan has done so well this year, and we saw it these last few weeks, is pound people and grind them down right? Like that's what they've done. They've established the run. It's like a, it's the old Stanford recipe from 09, 10 and Harbaugh's early years there. They have this, this, you know, they just keep running power until you run into submission. They have Ben Herbert. who's one of the best strength coaches in the country. He's been around. He's at Wisconsin. He was at Arkansas with, with Bielma. And there is just a complete power football mentality instilled in this team. The most impressive part about Georgia's defense to me is the depth. I mean, they just, you know, they have absolute monster depth. And that's, you know, the, the phrase, the big buzzy phrase right now is stacking classes, right? Like Georgia's had top class. I think they have the top class coming up. They were in the top five uh, last year. Um, they've been able to stack classes to the point where the first round picks who are up front like Jordan Davis get replaced by other first round picks. And that that cycle keeps going. But they are bigger and they are burlier than uh than, than Alabama at those positions and and some of that is, is is a little bit age too right like Alabama and Alabama lost six first round picks like that's and to, for them to do what they did to 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 get here is 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 unbelievable and and this is sort of this is George's uh you know very much George's moment and uh yeah I'm excited to uh to see you know it, when when they run Jordan Davis off the field they run Jalen Carter on right and he may be more disruptive and better and a better long-term prospect so there's a there's a lot of power. There's a lot of force, and I have a uh, you know I have a full belief that 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 is going to be a distinct struggle for Michigan. That said, I did not think Michigan would be sitting number two in the playoff with one loss. They started the season unranked, which is which is pretty incredible.
0: I so. was mocked for picking them to win more than seven games on this podcast. <laughs>
1: yes, you were.
0: Nailed I also it. You predicted were. Iowa would win the Big Ten West, and they did. Let's not talk about the race for the case. Pat,
1: <laughs> can they run? How did those and then stats the, end up anyway? We, I don't recall. I don't recall. We stopped. It, it was a, we stopped, a we counting stopped, error. We stopped
0: counting three weeks ago, Pete. I, I don't know what happened. It so, was an
1: counting error. <laughs> Sully officially yeah. quit at halftime of the San Diego State yes. game. So. Sully,
0: Sully had the, <laughs> the document, but it blue screened. Um, <laughs> can they run? And then. The other option will be how big of a, a factor can, can Aiden Hutchinson be? Because, once again, look, I, I, you know the number of plays he impacts is just extraordinary if you watch that game. And I know he's not a quarterback, but my God, this guy. I, I mean, they know he's coming. They tried to double-team him all night, and he just runs through people. It's a, he's, he's an astounding football player right now. I would not be shocked at all if he's not the number one pick of the Detroit Lions in 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 May. Um, so that's going to be Georgia's big challenge. But your your thoughts on what Michigan has done and and what it what it can do?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, awesome what it's done. It's just been it's been fun, I think, to watch uh, because Michigan's interesting. They're 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 an interesting program. So I want them to be relevant. And I you know I was up there in October, and Harbaugh was so. Engaged and engaging, and as you said, I mean, there was he. He has been prone to the thousand-yard stare for a while, and like not even able to communicate. But that was not the guy I sat down with. He was having a great time, and he was really enjoying the team. He kept saying, "I like guys that like football, and these guys like football, and this team looks like it. I mean, they look like they are having a blast together. Great player leadership, uh, and an improved, engaged coaching staff. I think has really helped them." Uh, I mean they're playing really, really well, so it's not like, like again, I'm surprised at that uh, at that point spread. I think I think that's too big, but we'll see how things develop between now and New Year's Eve. This this stat shocked me. I started looking this up because I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, this is going to be you know ground and pound and you know just punch your way to third and short and hopefully you keep drives going and inch your way down the field. Michigan leads the nation in number of plays fifty yards or longer. Uh, it from scrimmage, 17 of them, they lead the nation in number of plays, 60 yards and longer 10 they're tied for the lead plays 70 and longer with six. So, I mean, they have made some explosive plays. They found ways. They had two huge plays in the first half against Iowa for touchdowns.
0: Now gadget plays. They like gadget right. plays. They set you, you, up the bomb and they have and, huge runs right yeah. now. It's that's not, the, not what you think. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. I don't think you're going to get the huge runs against Georgia. Those are really hard to do just with the speed uh, that, that they have to close on people. Now you can throw it on them. And Andrell Anthony can make plays. Tight end Eric All is very good. And yeah, you throw in some gadget stuff. We saw Georgia's secondary give up some very big plays. So that's possible. And Cade McNamara has been good. I mean, he's not been, you know, Bryce Young, but he's had a very good season. Protects the ball, doesn't take sacks. I give him a real chance. Now I do think that primarily though, they are his Hassan Haskins driven, mostly power run game between the tackles. And that's a hard way to go against Georgia. On the flip side though, yeah, Stetson Bennett, how does he do against that monster pass rush? Does he avoid mistakes or does he play into them? And do they have to go to JT Daniels? That's that's gotta become job one for Kirby Smart. And we'll get more to them. But another uh, guy jumping the damn segment. I'm Sorry. I mean,
0: this is the <laughs> easiest game plan.
2: <laughs> All There's right, I'm done. Four with Michigan. teams. We're gonna discuss each. We're already we're two in and we're over two. <laughs> I'm okay. done discussing Michigan now. All right. Georgia! Okay. Hey, uh, there they're number go.
0: three. I mean, there's only four. <laughs> uh, okay. Georgia, do we have a quarterback controversy? What kind of team enters the playoff when you have a quarterback controversy? Now, I have been skeptical that you can win a national championship with the boutique law firm of Stetson Bennett. Nice player. But if you need to someone to win you the game, can you win? Can he win you the game? Yesterday. When their defense that had carried them all season fell apart, that defensive line, will I'll, I'll, I'll break the rule, got no pass rush on Alabama. That would be an issue for Cade. If Cade McNamara gets to sit back there, he becomes a lot better. He becomes really good. There was no pass rush. Where was the pass rush? It was amazing. That can't hold. Michigan's got a very good offensive line, but. Can you win this thing? Can you beat Michigan and Alabama back-to-back with Stetson Bennett? That, to me, is the – I have faith that the defense will respond. There's too many great players, and and that's, that's going to improve. But what do you do with this quarterback, Pat?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's job one for Kirby Smart for the next four weeks is to figure out whether Stetson Bennett can can get you to the championship game. The, the fact of the matter is in 2021, you have to win a shootout or two – along the way, and Stetson Bennett couldn't do it. He could not match plays with Bryce Young, couldn't come close yesterday. You know, theoretically, Michigan is not going to be a shootout. But, as you pointed out, they've, they've they're, ma- they're scoring plays. forty They're scoring points. points. They're scoring points.
0: Um, you can say whatever you want about, like, Iowa as an opponent. They got a defense. Like, Ohio State has a deep Like, Michigan State, Penn State, these schools have defenses. It may not be, I mean, nearly Iowa's never winning that game. They have no they have no offense. No. Um, right. but they have a defense pretty good. They're putting up huge numbers on them eventually.
2: Yeah. Yep. No, I mean it's Michigan's Michigan's offense has progressively gotten better. So for Georgia, yes, they will, I mean, they will have to make some plays. Their the receiving core is getting more healthy. We saw George Pickens uh involved for the first time. Uh Blaylock has come back. Their tight ends are ridiculous. Best tight ends in the country in, in total but they, they, they've they got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to keep uh, out of third and five or longer so that Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson can't just turn loose on you. I think they can do that. Now we'll see. If we'll see again, they can open holes. They open them on Alabama. We'll see if they, if they can open them on Michigan. We'll see if Michigan can tackle and close the way that Alabama did. But Georgia has the ability – to control the ball, run, move, move the ball, score. But if they, if it's got to be an up and down game, and you need to throw twenty yard passes all over the place, you got to consider playing JT Daniels. Let me ask you this,
0: Pete. Let me switch it. Uh, you can bring up what you want to say, but this loss was like this was a rattler, man. Like oh, this yeah. program rattling loss. Now it had no had no value, right? It didn't hurt them. I mean, I guess they play in Cincinnati instead of Michigan right now. They're still in the playoff, but this was like we question everything. And there's this foreboding. There's this like it's like you know you you live in Boston. You it was like the Red Sox until they finally won it. It hangs over everything. Where it's like, are we gonna gag this away? Can we never can beat these Alabama guys? You know, can we do it? How much is that you think a factor? Or did losing this game actually help because you got three weeks to reset the whole thing? And then, then you can bring up maybe your sets and Ben's thoughts.
1: No, I do think it's it's program rattling, and it and it makes you really have to ponder what you do in the future at the quarterback position. I think that's the thing that gets rattled the most. Like they're not going to you know wholesale change their defense. Now they're certainly make adjustments, and they got to obviously coach them up better. So there's not those huge busts. But I really wonder with George Pickens back. You know, he had two catches for 41 yards. One of those, obviously, was a 37-yard catch early in the uh, early in the game. Does that help JT Daniel? Because George Pickens is sort of the downfield field-stretching threat that Georgia really didn't have all season. So Stetson Bennett, if you don't have a game-breaking receiver, actually makes some more sense. I mean. Brock Bowers was targeted, I think, like 16 times yesterday. The stats I'm looking at right now say 10 receptions for 139 yards. And he was thrown to a lot more. He had 10 receptions. The next highest was Cook at four and then uh, and then Burton at three. So essentially, Georgia's offense was unhealthily reliant on, uh, on, on tight end. That's probably going to have to change because I really feel like Stetson Bennett may not have to win you a shootout. The problem is if you go down 10 he's not really well-equipped to bring you back. Like, that was what was very apparent in the second half yesterday. And you wonder if Nick Saban was coaching Georgia, much like he did in the same stadium and the same matchup, if he had pulled the trigger and gone to JT Daniels and, and realized that Stetson Bennett wasn't equipped to to do that. One of the reasons why Kirby Smart really likes Stetson Bennett is the team really likes Stetson Bennett. Uh, when I was in it, with him last week in Athens on Monday, Kirby Smart said, like, the strength of the team is the team. Like that's one of the things. And JT Daniels is is a bit of an odd duck. He's a California kid. He's a little bit aloof. He's not sort of that like rallying cry magnetic personality that Stetson Bennett has clearly proven to be. So you wonder how much like personality, how much the reaction of the team and such would play into a decision like this because everything changes when you change the quarterback. So I, I really think it's uh I really think it's it's, it's going to be a fascinating thing. How many times do you think Kirby Smart is going to get asked about his quarterback situation over the next uh over the next yeah. 3 weeks? And he's he's certain they have certainly opened the door to that scrutiny.
2: Yeah. He he was asked about it right after the game with Stetson Bennett sitting next to him and um <clears throat> his answer was was what you would expect. It was a good answer, you know. It was like we have all the confidence in the world Stetson. You know, he played fine. We our defense let him down basically. But then at the end, he said, I also have great confidence in JT Daniels. But to your point, I mean, Nick Saban was his mentor. Saban made two of the gutsiest quarterback changes I've ever seen uh, when he benched Jalen Hurts for Tua in the championship game. And then a year later, when he benched Tua for Jalen Hurts in the SEC championship game, both against Georgia, both worked brilliantly. This is going to be a huge thing for for Kirby to, to figure out. See if he can and, and, find, and a, look. find the right put- we don't solution. like picking
0: on players at all i mean these they're still college kids right this isn't the nfl uh so no one wants to say anything bad about stetson bennett but this is the situation you're in it's obvious to everyone it will be the talk radio discussion point in atlanta for the next month falcons aren't any good and when you're a kid like stetson bennett and you know it takes an it, it takes an enormous amount of maturity and mental toughness and confidence when you're an NFL quarterback to deal with this type of discussion, let alone when you're a college kid. So I, I have no doubt that he has that, but it's a tough situation when all of a sudden everyone is like, you're the you're the guy who may hold us back. When it was a lot of problems from going down, it was interesting you said about getting behind. This will be very interesting in that game. This is why I like Har- when when Harbaugh runs a game. They went for that trick play to Donovan Edwards. They threw a, a, a a pass, a uh, a backward pass to Donovan Edwards, the running back. He threw this absolute dime for a, I think it was a seventy-five yard touchdown pass that put Michigan. That was early in the game, and Michigan was moving the ball, but they put Mich- they put Iowa for- down fourteen right away, and that was it. Iowa was never going to come. They were all of a sudden. It was like a, it was an, it was like an early knockout blow. I remember Derek Jeter used to try this in big games. He'd swing at the very first pitch of the game to try to hit a home run. To get to set the tone, and to me, it was like, man, uh, that is game strategy. We see some awful game strategies in in college football coaching. Dave Aranda, who go <laughs> analytics over common sense, but that was like, we don't need a gadget play right here, but let's do it. This is going to work, and we're going to be a fourteen. And and I was going to be like, I can't come. We're not coming back from that. Uh, and I'll be very interested if Michigan can get a get a lead in that game. All right. Pete, you wrote a great column. You talked to all these, all the guys, Gary Patterson, Chris Peterson, uh, Brad Stevens, the Butler basketball coach, right? Urban, someone finally made it. Group of five team has got a chance you can play. If they win two games, they're the national champions. It's it's the first time in this sport where a team can sit there and say, well, one of these teams could go, if I win all my games, I'm the national champ. Because we saw TCU do it and they didn't make it. They win it. Saw Boise win, and that includes the bowl game where they put him in the uh the kid oh, table yeah. bowl game, right? Yeah. Keep winning. I guess, you know, we'll see. We can talk a little about Cincinnati's possibilities. We already kind of did because uh we screwed up all the segment. That's fine. But just <laughs> the significance of that and what you heard talking to, you know, because I feel like when I've talked, I've, I've I've talked to it with about with Chris Peterson and uh and Urban Meyer and Gary Patterson, actually, and and then Whittingham too, and they all were like. Always going to wonder what we could have done, right? And, and is that the sense you got, Pete?
1: Yeah. No, it, it, it is, Dan. And I feel like uh, you were a great column on Yahoo on Sunday that, that kind of was like, you know, well, we all want Bama. Well, now the underdog has a chance at Bama. And how great Yeah, they've always that? chanted,
0: it's, we want Bama. Yes. And then it's like because they knew they weren't getting them. Now no. it's like, oh,
1: <laughs> okay. It's like but underdog, we got them. <laughs> underdog yeah. justice. All right. You want them? Here, hold uh, me here, back. Hold me back. they oh, are. Oh, yeah. Crap. Yeah. Fun interviews, great catching up with all with all those guys. Urban was p- particularly interesting because he obviously was the first underdog to to crash the BCS at Utah in 04. I know it's hard to think of Urban Meyer as an underdog these days, but back then he was with the scheme and with the team. Alex Smith led and Paris Warren and all those guys. Uh, they were kind of the, the the forebearers to this. And now Urban's son is on the Cincinnati team, which I don't think really a lot of people know. Uh Nate Meyer is a senior walk-on. He wants to be a coach. He charts a lot of the plays, you know, when I was on the sideline for the Indiana game, he was like, you know, he had like a clipboard, you know, he's in uniform and everything, but he had the clipboard and he was charting stuff, just different, uh, different little nuances. And he spent some time when Urban was at Ohio State and after a time at Ohio State, like he would just go like study special teams for a week there as they were like doing special teams off-season reviews. So he's got a, he's got a good jump and he's a great kid. He'll, uh, I think he'll be, I think he'll be a very successful coach um, in his training. So, it was fun sort of going down memory lane there. But Brad Stevens was the most interesting. In in a lot of ways, he's sort of the consummate underdog college coach of our generation. And uh, bringing Butler to back-to-back national title games, I think in what, 10-11? Or was it 9-10, Pat? 10-11. 10-11. Okay, 10-11. Yeah. And, and the one thing he said was interesting, because remember now Butler's in the Big East, so they're in the Horizon League back then, which made the feat all the more kind of astounding. Well, the most interesting thing going forward that he said was, so when you're in one of these smaller leagues, and you have to win all your league games. You spend in basketball January and February just puckered up and tight because you have to be perfect. So as Brad has tracked this from afar, and I don't want to be disingenuous, he's not exactly on the Bearcat message boards, but he's curious. Like all sports fans are, it's a story that's captured his attention in some way. What he said was he would notice their conference game scores were close. And he was like, that happens in conference play. You know them. You play them every year. They know your plays. You know their plays. Like, that's what happens. It's hard to just go roll out and win in conference play. It doesn't matter what league you're in. So for him... He said, once their teams got out of the Horizon Tournament and won and got into the NCAA Tournament, they started to play really free because that pressure of perfection was gone. And so his quote was, once you get into the big tournament, the heat gets flipped. So – I don't know how much Cincinnati was pressing. I think that Luke Fickle was certainly worried about that, you know, style points playing perfect and, and everything. I think it'll be fascinating to see if the heat does get flipped. Do they try to onside kick? Do they play with some of that Chris Peterson verve that we used to see Boise play with, where they go for trick plays, they they you know, try to do things to 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 reverse the same pressure they've been feeling and press it on Alabama. Because now there's a pressure of, well, we can't lose to these guys from this, you know, from this you know, mid-major league, like we're Bama, they're Cincinnati. So I do think the Cincinnati players going to go in confident with the way they played against Georgia last year. Again, Sauce Gardner didn't play in that game. Cincinnati's left tackle, James Hudson, who was a third, fourth round pick and was their best offensive lineman by far got thrown out of the game early. So Georgia obviously had guys opt out and it wasn't Georgia, but most of the Georgia players that are playing this year were there last year. So again, it's not comparable but the experience of Cincinnati's 30 seniors playing a game, winning a majority of the game, losing on a field goal with three seconds left, a 50-something yard field goal, I think they know they're not going to just be physically and massively out- outclassed, and they're not going to be outclassed in speed. And so um, I veered off the, the, the underdog coach question a little bit, but I do really feel like that's, uh, that's going to be some of the MO that they, uh, that they bring in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just wonderful. I mean, for those of us who have watched this forever and beaten our heads against the table, you know, wanting to see these teams get a chance for it to happen. Like, this is the ultimate underdog victory because not only did they make it and they made the playoff, it looks like they're keeping their coach, which in past, other than like Brad Stevens or Butler, usually your coach is going. Like Urban Meyer was leaving Utah, right? Patterson didn't leave, but uh, uh, P.J. Fleck was leaving Western Michigan. Scott Frost was leaving Central Florida. It looks like Luke Fickle's going to stay. You know, I mean, all reports are that Oklahoma's getting ready to hire Brent Venables, which should take care of the really elite jobs, unless Luke Fickle's got his eye on the NFL, stay at Cincinnati. So this is win, 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 win for the Bearcats and for for all of the people of that milieu to me. Uh, The one thing, though, before— anybody wants to give the committee too much credit for taking care of Cincinnati, they had no choice. There was literally no other choice. If Oklahoma State gets to the pylon, I would not have been surprised if they screwed Cincinnati in favor of Oklahoma State. I mean, it was literally down to inches between whether or not I think those two teams might have gotten into the playoffs. So I'm glad Baylor took that out of the bag for the committee because I don't trust them to do it themselves. Uh, but it's great. I mean, this is an urban commuter school for the most part, blue-collar student body. You know, these are not a whole bunch of – it's not the leafy suburban rich kid school where it's a $60,000 tuition. Uh, I wrote a story on the on that. I won't go into all the details of it, but if you want to find it, it's out there. Just This is a, a gritty football program for a gritty school – that's finally getting his chance. Good. A lot of first-generation college students. Yeah, yeah
0: Indeed, blue-collar, affordable. Uh, it is. It's an urban campus. It's great. It's great. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I, and I think Luke Fickle is probably staying. And, and I remember Jim Laranaga when he was at George Mason. He's now the Miami basketball coach. Remember, they made the Final Four. They were really the first one, and he stayed. And he said, man, I hope everyone who ever has this stays, because when you get there for the first time, like that that year after, Yeah. Like it's a renewed honeymoon. Like you can't do anything (laughs) wrong. You were the conqueror. Why would you leave? (laughs) You know, like unless it's the absolute perfect job, like stay you're now. it's like everybody loves you. And generally, you know, like in the, in the city of Cincinnati, not that Luke fickle, isn't well known or appreciated. Now he's, now he's a rock star, right? Oh yeah. And, uh, because everyone in the city and it really across the state is going to get behind Cincinnati. They're, they're the quote unquote little brother that isn't threatening. And Luke Fickle is an Ohio so to Ohio State fans. And Luke Fickle played at Ohio State and he coached Ohio. He was the head coach interim for a season. There's, he's, a, he's Ohio to the core. You are a hero. So I hope he does get that chance to enjoy it. One other thing, this will be obviously be interesting. I'll, I'll say right now, I don't want this final score to be a referendum on whether a group of five team can ever compete because this is Alabama. Alabama just beat Georgia by 17. Last year they beat Notre Dame by 17, they beat Ohio State by 28. They beat Michigan State by 38 points in the 2015 semis. They beat Clemson by uh, Washington by 17 points in the 2016 semis. They beat Clemson by 18 points in the 2017 semis. Alabama doesn't have except for the year they lost to Ohio State. They don't have close games in the semifinals. So I don't want to hear like oh see like
2: right right it's, it's, they that's kick great everybody's ass, man. <laughs> this yeah. is what they, they do. They blew out Oklahoma. Yeah, no. they they did, they. did That's how they treat everybody in the Right. City, so. so that's why their are spread
0: so high. Is it, thir- was yeah. it 13 and a half? Yeah. 13 and, and a half. And, and it's, I bet it goes up. Alabama kicks people's ass. That's what happens. Okay? And Cincinnati. Hashtag analysis. Excellent <laughs> analysis. Why the hell I didn't pick four? I broke all my rules. This is Alabama. They kick people's ass. So. Don't be shocked if they kick Cincinnati's ass. But good great on the Bearcats. All right, couple things on the coaching searches that we're going to get to cuz we got plenty of time to talk about these games and we'll do all the bowls later and all that. Uh does look like Brent Venables to Oklahoma. Uh this is, he emerged very early. Uh he's going to leave the leave the safety of uh he had, a, I think, he was making two and a half million coaching a, as a defensive coordinator at Clemson. Could have been the Auburn coach last year. This is the one he's going to take. It looks like. Quick thoughts on that. We've talked, we talked about Venables before. If you're just listening, go back a couple podcasts. But any, any, any additional
1: thoughts, briefly, because we got a whole bunch of stuff to get through. Coached in eight national title games as a defensive coordinator. Good coach. Levy is supposed to go with him if he takes the job as the OC. That'll sort of keep Oklahoma's high-end offensive identity going there. And uh, yeah, Brent knows how to build it. He learned from Dabo how to build it. He knows what it's supposed to look like on uh, on defense. It'll be interesting to see if he brings his uh, sign stealers with him, <laughs> because that's always been part of the part of the Clemson lore a little bit. But Brent Venables is a uh, is is an excellent football coach. Who, you know, there'll be an adjustment to him to be a head coach because he is such a ball guy and it just takes a little bit different cadence to be a head coach. Um, I think he and Joe Castiglione will be an excellent pairing.
2: Yeah, and this continues Castiglione's track record and Oklahoma's unbelievable track record of hiring assistants and not hiring sitting head coaches. Uh, Lincoln Riley, well, obviously was an assistant. Bob Stoops was an assistant. Barry Switzer was an assistant. Uh, John Blake was an assistant. The one guy they hired who wasn't was Howard Schnellenberger, and it was a one-year disaster. He was five, five, and one, and they ran him out. So you know, it's uh, like you see some programs, or a lot of pro, most programs, like we got to have a, a a proven head coach. Well, it's worked the other way awfully well at at Oklahoma. Now, not everybody has the advantages and the the Venables is to Pete's point. I think is a very good one. He is a ball coach, he's an X and O, dark room, scheme it up, get on the sidelines, you know, and coach him up and practice all that stuff. But, yes, can he lead the whole program? That's going to be the challenge for him and be the face of the program. I think he can, but it will be an adjustment. Miami. Reports have Miami targeting Mario Cristobal,
0: the Oregon coach. Now, this may get settled one way or another by the time you hear this. Uh, Oregon is throwing money. Although, honestly, after watching Utah just pound them a second time, I mean, to say briefly, there's a 12 team playoff. Who the hell wants to play Utah?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine the Buckeyes are excited about that Rose Bowl matchup?
0: No. Utah, and they, you know, they switched QBs or they struggled early, but I mean, all their losses are like to BYU, Oregon State. This is a good team, man. Uh, Pitt would be a heck of a, a little bit terrifying too. Uh, right See, now. we could have
2: had a really exciting twelve-team playoff.
0: Yeah, but instead, uh, we'll have a work day, a weekday. Uh, you know, start at start at noon in the West Coast <laughs> TV window. Because you know, we it's just that's, that's what we got to do. What people work on December thirty first? Who? <laughs> Not the conference commissioners. They don't. <laughs> no, no, they're stunned. Totally I mean, they're stunned that people work. I don't. Like and they're just around rich boosters who don't. Yeah, the like, people
2: that are bringing their tr- their drinks to them at poolside are working.
0: Yeah. Wait. What do you mean you drive a FedEx truck and you gotta you're gonna miss the game? <laughs> yeah. Just tell them you can't work. Just yeah. So we will see what happens with uh, Mario Cristobal. How about Manny Diaz though? I was gonna Manny? say, have
2: they broken it to Manny yet? Not. Yeah. Currently not they fired. They actually now, have not. They actually have not.
0: <laughs> at one one point, the report from Barry Jackson, who's a very connected guy down in Miami in South Florida was, if Mario wants the job, they will fire Manny. If not, they keep Manny. I mean, that's like, <laughs> hey, hon, um, if my mistress decides to accept my wedding proposal, <laughs> I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> but otherwise. Otherwise, uh, we're going to, oh, and we're going to put some money into the program to help Manny. Otherwise I'll like get that <laughs> kitchen done.
2: Like what, how the hell is this working? This is like they're out Auburning Auburn. This is the kind of thing Auburn <laughs> does, you know? I mean, come on, Miami. And you
0: wonder. Now, look, Miami, here's my number one stat on Manny Diaz. He currently has no verbal commitments, signing days in two weeks, from a single player in Palm, Broward, or Miami-Dade County.
1: He got a commitment in Dade yesterday.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. One. I already got one. He didn't until they started saying he was going to fire him. All right, my bad. He has one now. Like, that's not the formula. I don't know what the formula, the formula to win Miami is get the Miami kids. But anyway, look, there is a faction that wants Mario Cristobal. There was a faction. I hate, I'm not going to, I don't want to break it to Nevin Shapiro. They wanted Lane Kiffin. He resigned (laughs) for big money. Uh, There is a, there is a lot of factions. Too many factions. Uh,
1: Come on, you. (laughs) They're also probably going to hire an athletic director after a Cristobal decision (laughs) comes in.
2: Yeah. Here's Who's the hiring? order of
1: events. The
2: order of events. We're going to hire a coach before we fire the coach, before we hire the AD. It <laughs> makes perfect sense. I love Miami. It is, it's It's everything
0: about life in Miami. None of it works until it does, and then it's glorious. <laughs> right. You sit around and go, man, this place is an absolute, just nothing works here. It doesn't make any sense. It's a complete mess. But, man, is the weather nice? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: God, this food is so good. Yeah. And you're sitting there in Biscayne Bay. like, okay. go in. It's all right. Yeah, I'll put up with the dysfunction. Relax. A little dysfunctional around here. Yep. Yeah. Any hope for Miami, Pete?
1: I actually don't think keeping Manny Diaz is that bad of an option. Like, the, the, the crystal ball play is clearly to, to bring him home. The interesting thing about crystal ball in this moment, by the time people are listening to this podcast, it'll be settled is he's going to have to call Phil Knight and say, hey, Phil, I'm, I'm ditching Nike U and I'm going home. Now, the home part is, you know, understandable. We're all where we're from, right? The pull of home, you know, tugs at us all in, uh, in one way or, uh, or another. But um, Crystal Ball would be a great energy jolt to get Miami back. And Dan Radakovich would be the right architect to build Miami into Clemson. Really, that's what it, that's what it comes down Clemson
0: to. Clemson AD, who's probably taking yes. the Miami
1: job. Sorry, I'm always, as always, way too far in the weeds. Thank you for pulling me up. Not
0: uh, everyone knows the Clemson
1: AD. Yeah, no, as nor they should. Yeah, he's he the Georgia Tech AD, he's been around the ACC, but he understands how to build a winner. And he in Clemson is a little complicated place, a little complicated history. Miami is a complicated place. He'd been there in the 80s for a couple of years, he has a degree from there, and so that's a great end of career challenge, right? What else are you going to do at? Clemson builds more slides and pop-up courses. You know, like there's, you know, they made the playoffs six years in a row. You can, can sus, building is more fun than sustaining. I remember coaches always telling me that over the years. And so you go there with a clean slate. And the one thing people at Miami will tell you, and they've told me over and over the past couple of weeks, we have money, we have money, we have money. Money's not an object. Money's not an object. I won't bore you with like the hospital tie-in and the hundreds of millions of dollars more that are coming into the school that they're going to siphon off for football to build the brand. But the money is there, and it is real. And if you have a dynamic coach like Mario Cristobal, who's obviously an elite recruiter of South Florida, and you have a plan in place to build Miami to be competitive with an AD who's done it at a faded brand and brought it back, I think that's a pretty powerful combination. I mean, yeah, they're talking about like making
2: Radakovich the highest-paid AD, and then they're obviously going to pay Cristobal a ton And his staff a ton, and they're going to invest in all the things that you allegedly need to invest in now. So I don't think money will be any impediment to Miami. Imagine what the turnover chains are going to look like next year. (laughs) (laughs) I just have a turnover Bentley that you get in and drive out of the stadium. (laughs) Diamond encrusted Bentley.
0: Yes. (laughs) Before we get to a small sample Heisman and uh, say something nice, uh, this is the story that was most sent to us over the weekend. We've, 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 expressed our displeasure with animals on airplanes the emotional support emotional support what do they call it yes emotional support
2: animals and support animals
0: yes uh we don't we don't believe they're real we don't believe that's a thing if you're that freaked out go just take the train (laughs) amtrak's there for you we've seen horses (laughs) we've seen like partridges i mean everything gets on those planes
1: Flirty. Flirty. Yes. Flirty. Flirty is uh, our our faithful longtime listeners will will remember. Flirty Flirty the horse
0: uh, on the O'Hare to Omaha uh, commuter plane. That's a small (laughs) plane now, mind you. That's a small plane. We're talking about one of these big ass things that go to Paris. That's a really bad way to spend an hour. (laughs) Flirty the horse. A horse was on a plane. Anyway. um, okay. a woman on a recent Delta Airlines flight allegedly began to breastfeed her pet cat. Oh, come on. Mid-flight. What? And refused to stop after getting caught. I
2: repeat. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. The incident, I thought you were going with us being mentioned in the emotional support monkey lawsuit.
1: Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that is rattled, by the way.
0: I am very rattle. <laughs> Pat, I thought the, the pole assassin and the emotional smart monkey was going to be the depths that this this podcast hit. I really did. And I thought us getting mentioned in a lawsuit over it would be part of that. But then this happened.
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: I don't care if Texas's assistant coach is dating the pole assassin former stripper from the Jerry Springer show and she has a monkey that bit a kid at a Halloween party, <laughs> you think that's a lot. Well, where do you get to this one, buddy? <laughs> that was that's group of five. This is power five. <laughs> Clearly, oh my god! The incident allegedly happened during a recent trip board Delta Flight thirteen sixty between Syracuse, New York, and Atlanta. Uh, okay, so there was a the air the uh, flight attendants posted a. Uh, a message to the aircraft communications reporting system, like this is official stuff that read, passenger in 13A is breastfeeding a cat and will not put the cat back in the carrier. Ah! She asked for the red coat team to <laughs> storm the plane upon landing. These The red coat team is uh, an elite airport <laughs> customer service experts who are specially trained to handle on the stop customer issues. I
1: don't think they're trained for this one. No, nobody's trained for that one. Imagine telling people, yeah, I'm in Delta Special Ops. Like in the Army. No, no, no. Delta. <laughs> Delta Force. I think you're all the breastfeeding cat problems. Just like last night. right in there.
0: This woman was breastfeeding a cat, and I had to handle it. Flight Not attendant. Not a Navy ain-
1: SEAL, I'm a Delta SEAL.
0: Delta. Delta Forces. Uh, I got to learn how you got to sit in the sand for like three days cold. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on. Flight attendant Ainsley Elizabeth. The the actual Delta forces would not want to take that. They will will do anything but this. (laughs) Flight attendant Ainsley Elizabeth uh, took to TikTok to explain the situation. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Yeah. The woman had one of those like hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket. It's even a hairless cat. <laughs> come on. No, does it matter if it has yeah. hair?
2: <laughs> the hairless cats look like satanic, though. You know, I mean, <laughs> come on. You've got to be kidding me. Okay. I didn't think that was going to be the thing that put it over the top, but
0: hey, it looks like a baby. Her shirt was up and she was trying to get the cat to latch. And she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier. The cat was, was screaming for its life. <laughs> uh it honestly, it gets worse. I'm I I just I there's a part that I can't even. I'm just uh, <laughs> oh, I don't I don't dear. know if I can even tell this story. I'm reading Newsweek. I'm reading Newsweek and
1: I <laughs> I don't this. think our listeners really <laughs> want the nitty gritty.
2: Oh, well, I think they probably do, but I don't know whether we're the people to provide All it for. Right. Fair. If you have fair.
0: anybody who could possibly be offended by this, just stop the podcast.
2: <laughs> You've been warned. Yeah, we won't blame you for not getting to the end.
0: You've been <sighs> warned. So apparently... <laughs> to, okay, to encourage the cat, to latch, is that the term we're using?
2: Sure. The I mean, woman
0: had butter packets from a restaurant.
2: What? Oh, come on. No, 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 and no, no, she no, would, no, no.
0: She was using the butter to come on. I I don't know what else to say. To encourage a latch. I believe
1: AP style is latch. Uh,
0: I don't know what. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I we're here for the truth. This is the truth. It was on TikTok. <laughs> well, if it's on TikTok, it's gotta be true. <laughs> Cat. What but, would you do if uh, you were
2: sitting next to the breastfeeding cat woman? I would jump out of the plane. <laughs> I would I would open the emergency latch and go. I mean, give me a parachute and I've got to go. I just, like you want to do that in your own home, fine, but why on earth would you think that is perfectly acceptable <laughs> behavior okay? on an airplane? What do you mean in your own home? Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not down with it, you know, <laughs> but, but look, People in their privacy, you know, whatever. But oh. is bestiality legal? Well, no, I, I,
0: I, I'm not even searching that. I don't want to even no, know. No, do you, you search that and all of a sudden the <laughs> Google suggestions are going to be insane. <laughs> Best not to know. The Delta Secret yeah. Service is coming for you. I'm not. Yes. I didn't know. I don't want to know. Never no. dawned on me.
2: Yeah, Boyd. Yeah, the red coat Delta Special Ops. So you go home and say, honey, you're not going to believe what happened today.
0: Ah, uh, all right pete you have anything to add on this or are you going to stop no, me saying i don't know and I don't. then you pete pete will be employed while pat and i are fired <laughs> i don't i don't want to tell you i'm reading newsweek it's newsweek It's re- reputable it used to be all right let's uh let's hand out some small sample heisman
1: please <laughs> please. (laughs) Can we give it to the Delta special ops? (laughs) Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman.
0: How
2: about that?
1: I got a Heisman trophy. I am going to give it to Cincinnati tailback, Jerome Ford, the Alabama transfer rushed to the Bearcats to the matchup with Alabama. 18 carries 187 yards, uh, a 79 yard touchdown. Two touchdowns. Jerome Ford wore the Cougars' defense ragged. Cincinnati ends up scoring 35, including 21 in the pivotal third. And roll on to the playoff. All
2: right, I'm going with Baylor safety Jerron McVay. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he made the tackle that made the playoff decision easy for the committee. He was the one that got Desmond Jackson enough to get him out of bounds and on the ground just short of the pylon fourth down final seconds to win the big 12 championship for baylor and to avoid a since massive cincinnati uh, oklahoma state controversy great great win great season for baylor uh oklahoma state i mean boy how would you like to be a fan of that program and watch them have like eight plays inside the five and get nothing I mean, just disastrous the way they, they got three and then they came back and got nothing. But I mean, just malfunction after malfunction. Baylor tried to screw themselves up by going for a fourth and one in their own territory. Bad decision by Dave Aranda, but a great season by Dave Aranda and the Bears. And then Jerron McVeigh, the hero play of the day for uh, the Baylor Bears to win the, their Big 12
1: title. Very good call. They, they how, how tried the to make Chris Webber moment there. That was the thing that I'll remember about that play. They tried to call a timeout. Everybody walked away. Then they realized they didn't have any timeouts left. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Um, and I wasn't watching the game with volume. So I don't know if that was explained somehow uh, by the announcers or the referees. But it looked like everybody walks to the sideline. And So I'm watching it. I'm like, all right, nobody's got any timeouts. This is going to happen. You know, this pivotal play that's going to, like, decide the fate of the football season. And then it was like, oh, just kidding. Let's just run back. <laughs>
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's like, I well, i was watching without sound. And I'm wondering, like, why did they stop the game? Yeah, I, I, that's what I assumed. So I, I yeah. could be off on it's that. It's a bigger penalty was... in basketball
0: than football. Correct. That, it's huh? punitive so, in basketball. Yeah, yeah. probably because someone would trick somebody, like pretend they were calling timeout, and like dribble. That had to have been some kind of, although they, they, you could do that in football, right? I mean, it's like when they used to say clock it, and then they they'd not clock it. Yeah, Baylor tried to, did everything in the second half to lose that game until they did everything to win it. It was incredible. And, man, the pokes, oh, so close. I think they were getting into that playoff, and it was literally inches. Literally inches. And I never thought Penix for Indiana got yeah, – I thought he was down. I still think he was down. But he got
2: – <laughs> Yeah, this one at least the pylon never moved, so you knew pylon he was Pylon cam. Pylon yep. cam was like,
0: oh, my God, that thing's perfect. All right, I'm giving mine to Kenny Pickett, Pitt quarterback. And I know that Pittsburgh's defense was really the difference in that ACC title game. Uh, Wake Forest QB Sam Hartman was uh, sacked five times, picked off four times, you know, 21 of 46. They did a great, great job of limiting Wake Forest on an absolutely glorious night for the Pitt Panthers. But I'm giving it to Pickett. He's the QB. He gets the glory. 20 of 33 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, passing and uh, one 58-yard touchdown run that broke open the game early or got the game going early. Avoided any interceptions. The touchdown run, he did a fake slide in full stride and then didn't lose speed and go. Uh, that is one of the most athletic things I've ever seen. <laughs> and I I covered a lot of Simone Biles. Like, um, <laughs> how did he not blow out his ACLs in doing that? I don't know. Someone's like, they should ban that. It's not fair. And I'm like, it's not fair, but the next guy who does it is going to be out for a year. So don't ever try this at home. Kenny Pickett has got wheels. Uh, great season for Kenny Pickett, great season for Pitt. Uh, program that could that needed that. And uh Pickett's one of our favorite, came back to play, and he's been entertaining us for a long time. Congrats and uh and good luck going forward for him. All right, said a lot of mean things on this podcast as we always do. Uh, can we say something
2: nice? Pat, can you say something nice? I can. I can. I'm gonna say something nice about Conference USA. I think without question, the biggest loser in the realignment, just mauling of the sport in previous months. They were gutted uh, by the American Athletic Conference coming in and taking people, Sun Belt grabbing people, teetering on the brink of uh, extinction. Looks like they'll survive in a diminished state, but they had a heck of a championship game and a very nice season there. UTSA against Western Kentucky, wild entertaining shootout on Friday night. Uh, the Roadrunners having this remarkable season going through 11-1, take a huge lead, look like they're blowing out Western Kentucky, and then Western comes back with their Houston Baptist uh, transfer tandem at quarterback and receiver, mounts this big rally. UTSA holds on in the end, wins 49-41. to And for a league that's had a rough go of it, that was a really nice way for them to go out. UTSA, 12-1 season. Nice job.
1: I'm going to uh, stay with Pat's small conference theme and say something nice about Northern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois went 0-5 last season. They did not win a game. They were sort of a reluctant participant in the Max shotgun schedule. Uh, Thomas Hammock, the early part of his tenure there, the former Ravens running back coach who came back to his alma mater, uh, Sean Frazier made that higher. It looked. I mean, look, they went 0 and 5. It's hard to go winless in in anything in modern college sports and bounce back. They not only bounce back, but they bounce back and beat Georgia Tech. They bounce back and won the MAC. And uh, the MAC is a very difficult league to win. All the credit in the world on the field goes to Rocky Lombardi, their quarterback. He had a rough go at Michigan State. There's no other way to say it. They didn't have any playmakers around him. There's no Kenneth Walker taking taking pressure off him. He was running for his life. And, and honestly, it might not have been the right level for him. And he went to the Mac and was a paradigm-changing quarterback who gutted them to close win after close win after close win. And finally, after all those one score Mac wins, they, they go to the Mac title game and they blow out Kent State. So Northern Illinois, congratulations. Heck of a season.
0: All right. I was going to say something nice about football in Utah. But I I got a second one. But uh congrats to football in Utah. BYU 10 and 2. Utah, Pac-12 champs, Utah State, Mountain West champs. They're 10 and 3, 10 and 3. When the hell how, Utah. I mean, like all these other states that, <laughs> <laughs> that like we got all these players around here not like it's Utah. How, how's this happening? I don't know, but it happened. Congratulations to all those people in Utah. Uh, But I really want to say something nice about Brian Kelly's accent. Southern accent. (laughs) Good call. How did we not get to this? Yeah. How did we? Going to go down the road, fixing to do some visiting with (laughs) y'all. He often did back at North Shore of Boston. He got uh, unbelievably mocked, of course, for this thing. I had an assistant coach in the SEC text me the other day, like, between quitting on the Irish and the fake accent, they've got all sorts of stuff to use against them early. I was like, good luck with that. The guy wins everywhere. He'll be he'll, yeah, he'll right. be fine. He'll be fine. But the accent, I think, opens up either the real coaching hire at some point or at least a Netflix sitcom that I'm trying to develop <laughs> where, where Coach O takes over the Boston College Eagles <laughs> and tries uh, to do the reversal. Uh, no more go Tigers. It's like, hey, kid. Hey, kid. <laughs>
2: Let's Let's go a, that. that's, a, that's a Netflix sitcom for sure. Let's go to the packy on av. We could go to Pats game tonight. You
0: watching? <laughs> Coach O is gonna be the Ted Lasso of New England United. I don't know. <laughs> I'm working, I'm still working it. <laughs> Get when I make millions off of this.
1: Get that stadium you get, built in Holyoke. You get go. no money
0: from this, Brian Kelly, and your fake Southern accent. It's, it's 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 coming together. It's coming together. If you got plot, we need side characters. I'm, I'm open. I'm open to ideas. Never say your idea out loud. Hollywood will steal it. I'm copywriting it right now. Uh, all right, this pod's gone on long enough, and we've already talked about breastfeeding cats. So. <laughs> I have more Kojo jokes,
1: but I don't want to do them. I'm do you want to you, say Newsweek one more time, Dan, just to c- cover your tail? Dude, it was Newsweek. <laughs> Newsweek. Blame it on this Newsweek. <laughs> Free Newsweek. Yes.
0: Free Newsweek. Blame it on. Think he used to come to my house as a kid every week. Very mm-hmm. rep- reputable publications. <laughs> so now, what the hell
2: happened?
0: <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with our uh, regularly scheduled show. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more developments and everything. Please continue to subscribe, share us on social media, Uh, use the hashtag CFE. We appreciate all of that and keep sending us ridiculous stories about the follies of airline travel. Talk to you then. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Trader.